Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday, July 28th, 2023. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody, episode 214. And I would have got this show started a little bit sooner. It's, what, like 5 o'clock here on the East Coast. But, so... I have uh, my brother's getting married in a couple of weeks. We're going to Positano, Italy. If you don't know, this is like the fourth wedding, as my other brother likes to joke for my brother. Um, long story short, others got canceled. He's always trying to do these friggin' um, destination weddings. So it's a hassle. We're going all the way to Positano, Italy in a couple of weeks, right? And we're trying, I'm in this group chat with him and the other groomsmen, my other brother and his other two buddies. And we're trying to figure out what we're going to wear outfit-wise um, for this thing because it's going to be 100 freaking degrees. Like, so it's not even going to matter at this point. But we are, we got the pants from Abercrombie and we're trying to nail down like a white collared button-up shirt. And now there's been an argument over the brown loafers we're going to wear. But today's discussion is all about whether we should wear a belt or no belt. And so it's been this whole argument between my brother who thinks we shouldn't wear a belt. I don't think we should wear a belt either, um, mostly because I had to switch up out my pants and I sent them back and got a 28 by 28 and the waist is just a little snug. So the fact that I have to tuck a shirt into that and then a belt on top of that, it's not going to be all that comfortable. But this is just a whole ordeal. No one can figure out what the hell we're going to do, what shirt to get. It's just, it, it's been a pain in the butt. So um, if I'm a little distracted throughout the episode, it's because I'm receiving text messages out the wazoo right now. And I have been for the past like hour on what outfit we're going to wear. So um yeah, this is brutal. And my brother posted a pic. Yeah, this, I'm going to respond. Um, yeah, this is Fuego. I'm putting. Okay. Um, so, we, um, I, I actually have a lot to talk about today. Much more so than last week's episode. And, um... So, so we're gonna we're gonna jump in. I mean, it, it's been an action-packed week, right? We've got the MLB trade deadline coming up. We've got um, Messi's debut, which was unbelievable. I'll get to that at some point. Uh, but I want to start off, and I want to, you know, I'm gonna jump in. We're gonna talk about the NFL training camp. But without further ado, let's get this episode started. Episode 214 of this week in sports. Here we go. Okay, so first up, we're going to get into training camp stuff in just a second, but let's talk about the big news from last night, and that is Colorado, University of Colorado. The Buffaloes are heading back to the Big 12. They will play out uh, one final season in the Pac-12 before heading back to the Big 12, and I say back to because they used to be, excuse me, they used to be in the Big 12, so the move does make sense in for that standpoint, and especially when you think about the Pac-12 falling apart right now, UCLA, USC leaving for the Big Ten, right? It, it, it's it it might cease to exist. The Arizonas could could really play a big role in whether the the Pac-12 continues because if they make a move, forget it. Then you have Utah. I mean, could this be the Pac-8? Like, what's going on here? But here here's here's what uh, played out. The Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark secured a media rights deal that will pay Colorado approximately $32 million per year, while Pac-12 Commissioner George um, Klyovkov, whatever the hell his name is, um, he has nothing. No, nothing on the table. He hasn't really done anything. So, again, it does not bode well for the Pac-12, but big news, Coach Prime is bringing Colorado back to the Big 12, because let's face it, they haven't been good. And now that Dion's there, they're making all these moves. So keep an eye on that. Okay, NFL training camp has so far been a disaster. This Every year you just hold your breath, 
waiting for the latest injury or, or praying that somebody on your team doesn't get hurt. My team already lost, you know, Chuck Clark's safety. We had to go out and sign Adrian Amos. Um, and this week, there were some brutal injuries. So we had Joe Burrow suffering a non-contact calf injury while escaping the pocket on a play yesterday. Had to be carted off. Early reports are that he could be out a couple weeks, but you just really never know with these calf strains. You have to be very careful because you don't want to be the next Kevin Durant where you come back too early and tear your Achilles. So something to watch out for there. Then you have Jalen Ramsey. This was a big injury. Torn meniscus, I believe. Um, he went underwent surgery today at 1 p.m., according to head coach Mike McDaniel, and he's going to be out for a much larger portion um, of time. So definitely the beginning of the season is not looking good. So, and they, he was their big offseason acquisition, you know, one of the better corners in the league. So, um, yeah, not good. And then, um, I mean, that's, that's one injury there with Jalen Ramsey, um, but they've had a lot of injuries already to to the cornerback group, have the Dolphins. So it's, yeah, bleak. Um, some good news, if you're Justin Herbert or Chargers fan, they agreed to a five-year, $262.5 million deal with 218 mil guaranteed. Oh, my God. That's right. Um, it's the second highest guarantee in league history behind Deshaun Watson's $230 million and we just spoke about this guy getting hurt, Justin uh, Joe Burrow, excuse me. He is supposed to be the next one on this list. He should be getting paid more than Justin Herbert, um, but remains to be seen what they're going to do, you know, barring this injury and things of that nature. So keep an eye on that. The saga between the Giants and Saquon Barkley is finally over after Barkley agreed to a new one-year deal worth up to $11 million slightly more than what he would have earned on the franchise tag. And speaking of the Giants, they also agreed to a five-year, $117 million extension with left tackle Andrew Thomas. Man, just think back to the 2020 draft when the Giants took Thomas. He was one of four offensive linemen taken in the first round. He was looked upon as the worst one because he was awful in 2020. I think he was he allowed the second most sacks in 2020 amongst all NFL um, offensive linemen, and he's just gotten better and better and better. And in three years, he's gone from one of the worst tackles to one of the best. And the joke's on me because I laughed at the Giants. I'm like, oh, man, you guys got the worst one. And we had Makai Becton, who through the first handful of games in year one was looking like an absolute stud, and then he got hurt. And then he got hurt again last year, and now he's hurt again in training camp. The knee's barking. He's day-to-day. -day. He was, like, back at practice yesterday but missed practice the other day. It's just a joke. And if you see Makai Becton in person, which I've got the opportunity to on Sunday because I went to Jets training camp, he is a freak. And, I mean, he's lost a bunch of weight, and he towers over people. He is so big, it's unbelievable. So it's really hard to figure out and to, 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 to think that this guy is going to be able to play in the NFL with that body and, and have his knees and everything else hold up. It's just, it doesn't seem feasible. And so I don't expect him to make a big impact. Wayne Brown's been out. He's not even really been running with the ones, but I do know that the offensive line for the Jets right now has been brutal. It was bad in practice on Sunday. Thank God we have a quarterback now in Aaron Rodgers. He freaking slings that thing. When he goes the three-quarters slingshot, oh, my God, the ball just sizzles out of his hand. It, it's so quick. And we got to just be careful. We got to get the ball out quick and hope to God um, that he doesn't get smoked, you know, against uh, one of these elite defenses. Uh, where are we at? Okay, the Cowboys and cornerback Trevon Diggs agreed to a new five-year, $97 million deal. That's one down, one to go. Of course, the um, the other man being all-pro guard Zach Martin, who did not report to training camp amid his contract dispute. The Raiders, the Raiders, they signed cornerback Marcus Peters to a one-year contract. 
And then listen to this one. This is a brutal injury for the Bills. Running back Naheem Hines. I think he played in less than uh, uh, 10 snaps uh, at the running back position, or he touched the ball like ten times, less than 10 times since the Bills acquired him from the Colts late in the season last year, right? And he, he did make an impact. He returned two kicks for touchdowns for the Bills last year, but he was sitting, I don't know, on vacation, wherever. He was sitting stationary on a jet ski when some other idiot rode by and just crashed into him and he tore his ACL. Um, I believe he tore his ACL. They said it was an ACL injury. He will require surgery and is out for the season, so I'm assuming he tore his ACL. He's lucky to even be alive. I mean, um... My, I think my brother and a couple of friends were involved in a jet ski accident a number of years ago, and there was, you know, some fear of being sued by by whoever they they hit or got whatever the case was. I was like a little kid at the time. I don't remember the details. It nothing ever happened from it, but it was scary because there was thoughts like, man, like could have died out there or whatever. You 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 just never know when you're out on the open water. Um. So, yeah, scary situation, tough one for the Bills, but I'm not going to shed a tear because my Jets play the Bills Monday, week one, and that's our rival, and we're trying to kill them and win a division for the first time seemingly in my lifetime. All right, now let's get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. This is the episode, this is this part in the seg- this segment in the show called When... Stupid people say dumb stuff. And today's spotlight features somebody who I thought was a pretty smart guy, somebody who won a Super Bowl, somebody who I thought could have won a lot more Super Bowls, but he he, he tries to get too cute and, and tries to reinvent the wheel, seemingly, and that's why he had the most accurate passer in NFL history and could only win one Super Bowl. And that would be the guy that was suspended a year for the Bounty Gate scandal, who was played in a movie by Kevin James, the one, the only, Sean Payton. Let's give a round of applause, everybody. Yeah, Sean, yeah. New head coach of the Broncos. Well, my guy, Sean Payton, what did he do? Why is he in the news? Well, he sat down with USA Today for an interview yesterday, and I don't know if Sean had a little too much to drink. I don't know if he was ripping bongs like we've seen. i seen a video of him ripping bongs with 16-year-olds. I mean, I don't know what that's all about. I don't know when that was. I don't know what Sean's into lately. I know he's in Colorado. I know that stuff's all legalized and everything. Maybe he's having a little bit too much fun. Maybe he didn't realize that he was on the record because it sure as hell sounded like he didn't realize he was on the record. Sean Payton was taking shots unwarranted shots at pretty much everybody, including my New York Jets out of nowhere. So Sean Payton was asked about, I guess, um, Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job last year or whatever. And you know what he says? Coach Hackett is now with my Jets, of course, as the offensive coordinator. He And I quote, uh, this is what Sean Payton said, quote, it might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Well, number one, this is a bit shocking for one coach to take a shot at another coach. Very weird. And um, not only that, it's like, Sean, you've been there all of five minutes, haven't even coached in a preseason game yet. You might want to be careful what you say because pretty soon that could be you. You could be Nathaniel Hackett. Um, But is he wrong in the sense that it everything went wrong in Denver last year? No. Was it all Hackett's fault? Absolutely not. Uh, Russell Wilson came in as a diva. He wanted out of Seattle because he said, I haven't won an MVP. I want to be the Peyton Manning. I want to be that guy, Tom Brady, that slings it, throws for 5,000 yards and wins an MVP. Wasn't good enough. I mean, it should have been a sign enough that you lost a Super Bowl, Russell, because you threw an interception, the second one. It, everyone knows it should have been a handoff to Marshawn and you would have won the game. And so, uh, yeah, take some ownership. You're obviously not that great of a passer. Your whole career, you're the shorter guy. Your whole career has been predicated on the play action, the run game, and being able to scramble and the po- uh, the composure and the poise in the pocket to be able to scramble and float the ball and just have that, that great touch. And now you just think you're that guy, and it was a disaster last year, absolute disaster. So, yeah, it falls on Hackett. It was bad, but he admitted never should have given – 
caved in and given Russell Wilson a freaking office because that's what he wanted. He wanted an office, not to be in the locker room with the rest of the guys. He wanted his own office. Okay, so Sean Payton says worst coaching job in history. Then he goes on to say about the Broncos, the whole situation, part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much, insert expletive, effing probably time, trying to win the offseason, the PR, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around and all this stuff. We're not doing any of that. The Jets did that this year. You watch. Hard knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. I'll respond to that in just a second. But first, on Russell Wilson's performance last year, he says, it wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's true. But why were they 29th? Because Russell Wilson probably didn't know the plays. And it was taking too long for him to hear the plays and get it in and yada, 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 whatever. Why are you coming at my Jets? First of all, the whole hard knocks thing, we didn't even want that, okay? They forced it on us. And now, guess what? I welcome it. Because last time we were on hard knocks, told you guys last week, we went to an AFC championship game, baby. And pretty soon, we might, uh, it might take till next week, but I'm not, I'm not uh, going to sit here and hide behind it. Because I'm not scared. I'll say it right now. I'm not jinxing it. We will sign Dalvin Cook by next week. That's a promise. And if we don't sign him by next week, we will sign him eventually. I think Dalvin Cook wants to be a New York Jet. I don't think he wants to go to Miami. I think he has people pulling him towards Miami because he went to Florida State and all that stuff. But I truly believe he comes to the New York Jets. And I think that's what he wants. That's what we want. Let's make it happen. So that's number one. Number two, coach your team. If I'm the Broncos' ownership, I am pissed that he said this because he's taking direct shots at us. He's taking direct shots at his own franchise. And I get the whole thing where he's, like, trying to defend Russell because clearly Russell is just some weird, weak, you know, Broncos country. Let's ride. Like, just cringy beyond belief. And the fact that he is so ego maniacal that he needed his own office, like, bro, you're not that guy. The Broncos have paid you so much money, over $200 million, they're stuck with you. And yeah, he was awful last year. You can't put that on Hackett. You really can't. Hackett turned, made Aaron Rodgers a, a back-to-back uh, MVP, and he's going to do it again with the Jets. So don't sit here and try to tell me that Hackett just didn't know what he was doing. Hackett didn't forget how to play calls or call plays, rather. So something's got to give. Russell was uh, was horrible. The whole team probably soured on Russ. You've seen the videos on the sideline. He's yelling at the, at the uh, you know, his teammates that they got to talk and, and yell out what the plays are, what plays are coming in for the defense and all sorts of stuff. Like, just so cringy. And nobody went to his birthday party that Sierra threw him. I mean, just a joke. So good luck, Sean Payton. Good luck. You po- you painted yourself in a corner and now you're stuck there and you're div- digging that grave deeper and deeper. And I've just got one thing to say to Sean Payton. One thing. Okay. And that is week five, I believe it's October 8th in, in Denver. Otherwise I'd be going to this game. I just got one thing to say, baby. Bart Scott said it best. Can't wait. That's right. I can't wait when Hackett and Rodgers, they're going to mark, they're circling that in the calendar right now. And we're going to run up that score, baby, in mile high. And what makes it even better is my group chat with my friends, um, Nick, who has been on this podcast, and then Priyank, and my other uh, buddy, Brian, we're just going at it because Nick is the lone Denver Broncos fan, and he's talking all this crap about the Jets and he is in for a rude awakening because we are going to lay the smack down. It's like the whole, can you smell what the rock is cooking? Oh, baby, you're going to smell what the Jets are cooking when they fly in the mile high October 8th, baby. That's going to be my Super Bowl. My, my pre-Super Bowl, because the Jets are going to be in the Super Bowl later in the year in February. But I can't wait. 
I will have to crawl into a cave and hide if the Jets don't beat the Broncos in week five. But boy, I am going to be unbearable if they beat if they what if they beat the Broncos in week five, October 8th. So bring it on, Sean. Bring it on. And you know damn well, because it came out today a few hours ago, that he's squirming in his boots. Sean Payton already recounted his statements and he apologized and he said he had regrets. These were statements made yesterday. So already he's like, oh shit, what did I say? What did I do? Now he's scared. Real scared. And I'll tell you what, a real man doesn't back down from a challenge. He said those words. He talked all that shit and he called out the Broncos. He called out Hackett. He called out the Jets. Just own it, bro. Just own it. Don't try to walk it back now and apologize. Oh, no, 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 no. You said it. You said it. You ain't apologizing now. I don't want your freaking apology. Just be ready. Week five. That'll be your apology when we lay the smackdown on them Denver Broncos. And it's going to be that much sweeter because it's in Denver. 48 points we're putting up. I'll have 42. I'll say 42. 42 to 14. That's my prediction. Let's, and guess what? Broncos country. Let's ride. Okay. While we're on the topic of the Jets, just real quick, I'm talking all these contracts and everything. Um, Aaron Rodgers decided to take about a $35 million pay cut the other day, which means he has, I heard $100 million, but then I think I saw $75 million. So more than likely, he's coming back next season. So if, if he were to not come back and retire after this season, he leaves all that money on the table. So that's never going to happen. And he's already said as much. He's, he's loving his time here. Sauce Gardner, like got him this custom diamond chain thing, whatever. I mean, they're loving it here. He's loving it here. The Jets players are loving having him here. It's just been, everything's great. He feels good. You name it. So that's great. And then it gives the Jets flexibility to go out and sign a Dalvin Cook. And it just makes so much sense with hard knocks going on. It would make for such great TV. You bring in Dalvin Cook. Oh, just, just please, please bring in Dalvin Cook. If for nothing, just for week one. Because we don't know that Brees Hall is going to be, like, he's not going to be 100% back and healthy by week one. He's going to play, but if you could just please get Dalvin Cook for week one, I don't care what happens after that. I just want him for week one so we can beat the Bills on Monday night football. And he's a great top 10 running back. I mean, Jets get him. There's no telling what this friggin' offense can be. All right, that's enough on the football talk. Let's swing things over to baseball because it is the sport um, most current right now, most uh, going on trade deadline is looming, right? And it's official that Shohei Otani is off the market. Um, it was fun while it lasted, considering whether he'd go to like the Dodgers, the Yankees, whatever. Well, they took him off the market, and it looks like it might have been the right move for now. Um, after announcing they would not be trading Otani, the Angels made a huge splash, trading two of their top prospects to the White Sox for star pitcher Lucas Giolito and reliever Reynaldo Lopez. Didn't see that coming. Then, of course, yesterday they played a doubleheader. What did Otani do? Threw a one-hit shutout in Game 1, his first sh- the first shutout of his career. And then in Game 2, he clobbered two home runs. And now Aaron Judge's 62 home run, his record 62 home runs is seriously in jeopardy from last year. And I'm a little bit scared and nervous. So, Otani, you might want to uh, cool down just a little bit. I don't want you breaking that record. And how about this? The Angels are tied with the Cubs for the best record in baseball over the last 10 games as both teams have gone 8-2. and two. And both teams that were looked upon as probably going to be sellers. And now it's like Marcus Stroman was supposed to be that top pitcher that was on the trade deadline, trade market, and now the Cubs are kind of in the mix here. And... They're like one game under 500 at this rate, and the Angels sit just three games back of a wild card spot, and they're facing the Blue Jays, who currently hold the final wild card spot in a weekend series starting today. So, just crazy time in baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Then we have the Pirates. They traded Carlos Santana to the Brewers. Second year in a row, Santana has been traded at the deadline. Last year, he went from Kansas City to Seattle. 
Um, in return, the Pirates are getting 18-year-old shortstop Johnny Severino. And the Mets, sadly, are sellers. They have traded closer David Robertson to their division rival, Marlins, of all teams, okay? The Mets, in return, will receive two rookie league players in infielder Marco Vargas and catcher Ronald Hernandez. Feels like the Mets are always trying to figure it out at the catcher position, although Alvarez seems like a good fit so far. But uh, Robertson, 2.05 ERA this year. He's been very good. He doesn't walk a whole lot of guys. It's interesting because the Marlins are third in that division ahead of the Mets, and they're they're in the mix for a wild card, but I don't know that they're, they should be buyers here. Um, I was hoping they'd sell Luis Arise and trade him to my Yankees. Um, that would be just phenomenal. Uh, the Dodgers traded Noah Syndergaard to the Guardians for shortstop Ahmed Rosario. This just after the Dodgers traded for their one of their former players, super utility Kike Hernandez, who they got from the Red Sox in exchange for two pitchers. Um, but it's interesting because Syndergaard hasn't been hasn't done much with with the Dodgers. It's just, he's been on the IL. It's just not been good. He's actually set to make his debut with the Guardians, I believe, on Monday. But he was traded for Rosario. Both of them were Mets teammates together a few years back. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, the Dodgers have been have been the hot team here at the trade deadline, making trades left and right. So they also made another trade, uh, this one taking place today. This is kind of a big, splashy trade. They acquired Lance Lynn and right-handed reliever Joe Kelly. Oh, Joe Kelly. Uh, we all know Joe Kelly. Um, the White Sox receive right-handed starter Nick Nostrini from AA, right-handed reliever Jordan Leisure of AA, and outfielder Trace Thompson, the brother of Clay Thompson, who was originally drafted by the White Sox. So I think he's now played for the Dodgers twice and now the White Sox twice. So that's cool. And quick note on, well, not cool that he's leaving a contender and going to a team that won't make the playoffs. That's sad, but hopefully he'll play more. Quick note on Lance Lynn. He has the highest ERA of any qualifying starter in baseball. It's over 6.4, and he just had a brutal start against the Cubbies uh, a couple days ago. So, yeah, maybe he'll, you know, we all know the Dodgers can develop pitchers, so we'll see if he has any impact on their starting rotation. Uh, the Marlins were not done. They made another trade, this one with the Twins. They swapped closers. Minnesota sent embattled reliever Jorge Lopez to the Marlins in exchange for reliever Dylan Floro. Lopez was actually acquired almost a year ago exactly, August 3rd or August 2nd of 2022. Um was acquired from Baltimore for four players. He was 4-2 and two with three saves, 27 strikeouts, and a 5.09 ERA in 35 and a third innings this season. Not great. Um, and actually, since joining the Twins, Lopez has blown seven of 13 save opportunities, including four this season, and he had an overall ERA of 4.8158 innings. And guess what? Lopez has been on the IL since last month for mental health. He apparently struggled with his emotions when he did not perform as expected. So he had to go on the IL. I mean, I don't know how you trade for a guy like that who's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs mentally and uh, has not been pitching well. But I guess they figured higher upside from Lopez than there was Floro, who is a veteran reliever, ground ball specialist type. He'd also been struggling this season for the most part. Three and five record with seven of nine saves converted, but a 4.54 ERA and 41 strikeouts in 39 and two-thirds innings. The big news of the day, though, the Yankees, they begin a huge series with uh, in Baltimore this weekend, and I'm hearing that tonight is the night that Aaron Judge is likely to return. I have not seen the lineup yet, but I'm hearing that, um, yes, Aaron Judge is coming back tonight. So if I'm wrong on that, sorry, but at least he's coming back sometime this weekend. Can he save the Yankees season? Who knows? But I'm also hearing rumors that we're trying to target um, Randall Gritchick. Or Cody Bellinger. I know Cody Bellinger just hit his 15th home run. He's going to get traded somewhere. But Cody Bellinger is a high-volume strikeout guy. I don't want Cody Bellinger. We need a guy that can hit for average. I mean, Grichik isn't, isn't like, going to blow me away. But at least he can hit for better average. But he's not, he's not the answer. 
Go get us somebody legitimate. Like, send the system and get me some Luis Arise. Please, God. Okay, here's some great, awesome, super-duper news that we found out about earlier this week. My favorite person alive, the one, the only, Rob Manfred received a four-year extension through the 2028 season. If you can't tell, I'm just so excited for this. Uh, Yeah, not a fan. Okay, that's my baseball news for now. If any other trades break while I'm doing the episode, I will let you guys know. Scary, scary moment for LeBron James' eldest son, Bronny James. So on Monday, Bronny James was practicing with UC, USC. Um, he is going to be an incoming freshman this coming uh, year. And he collapsed, suffering a cardiac arrest. This is very unusual in athletes, let me tell you. Thankfully, the quick and swift medical response by USC Athletics saved his life. He was in the ICU for not too long. He actually was released from the hospital yesterday and is at home resting. This, I'm telling you, this is so unusual. Okay, we all know what happened with the guy with the bills and it happened with the Florida player a few years back, but he had athlete's heart. Um, then he went on to K-State and he was fine, but... Bronny is just 18 years old and in peak athletic health. Not to mention, his father is one of the most physically gifted athletes of all time. So I'm going to be very curious to see what exactly caused this. I know you're getting a lot of, you know, vaccine speculation that that caused some issues, um, you know, with myocarditis and all sorts of things. But I'm not speculating on anything. LeBron came out. He thanked everyone for the love. And he said they will have more to say when they are ready. So I am going to be sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to find out what exactly happened to Bronny James because that is very scary. And that should not have happened to an 18-year-old Division One athlete. Okay. Continuing this trend of basketball, let's jump over to the NBA real quick. Haven't talked much NBA, but Jalen Brown's new contract with the Celtics marks the biggest deal in NBA history, so it is worth noting. Yes, I'm talking about Jalen Brown, not even the best player on his own team. It's $304 million over five years with the Supermax designation. Oh, my God. Is it blasphemy? In the words of Stephen A. Smith, yes, but this is the world we live in. The luxury tax just keeps increasing year after year, so it's possible next year um, Tatum, his teammate, is going to see a contract which pays him $70 million a year. It, crazy. But, yeah, this is the world we live in. Shoot. I mean, Mike Conley briefly held this distinction as the highest-paid player in the NBA back in 2016. So it's just the biggest contract in the history of the NBA for now. Okay, in other news, speaking of contracts, Kylian Mbappe, the 24-year-old French soccer phenom, was reportedly offered and turned down an offer by Al-Halal's uh, by Al Halal. It was a one year, this is a Saudi based team, I guess, or whatever. It was a one year, $776 million deal. These amid rumors that he will be joining Real Madrid in 2024. $776 million, and they were going to pay like an, like the highest fee in history to get him, uh, the, which was like 300 something million, putting this over a billion dollars, and he turned it down. One year ain't that long, bro. Just go there and you're a freaking billionaire, just about. That's insane amounts of money. But it was funny because Giannis um, posted on on Twitter and stuff, and he's like, hey, I kind of look like Mbappe. Do you need you need me instead? Like, I'll take that. I'll take that contract. And LeBron said the same thing and whatnot. So, yeah, just wait. These guys will start offering NBA players contracts soon enough, and that's when it's going to get scary. We're already seeing, you know, the PIF and, and their – their reach in sports. So that, but that's just, I mean, that is crazy, man. Crazy. The fact that he turned that down, I mean, it is unbelievable. Like, what are you scared to go live there? Whatever change of scenery? I don't care. 
I would have taken that money 100 out of 100 times, no questions asked. But that's me. I'm poor, right? I'm not some generational soccer talent that already has more money than most and more money than he could think of what to do with, probably, right? So just, wow. Uh, Speaking of soccer stars, Messi has made his presence known since joining Inter Miami, right? In his first game, you couldn't have drawn up a better uh, a better movie, right? The very first game, it's tied 1-1 in stoppage time. Messi gets a free kick just outside the 18, just outside the box. And what does he do? Well, take a listen for yourself. Here it is. Messi! Yeah, I mean, with the owner in Beckham in attendance, what did Messi do? He bent it like Beckham right into the upper 90. Top left corner is just, I mean, it was just brilliance at its finest. And then what did he do in his second game with Inter-Miami? Two goals and two assists. I mean, he's still got it. I don't care how old he is. He is a freaking beast. And I always related to Messi more so than like a Ronaldo and stuff because I was I was um, a lefty. I wore number 10, I think, my last year playing soccer. Um, in high school, I might have been number 10. I was number one in baseball, but I'm trying to think. I think I was number 10 in soccer. And Messi was number 10, and I was a lefty, and Messi's a lefty, and I'm small, and Messi's small. And that's what's so great. He is so tiny and skinny and whatnot, and he just dominates everybody. It's awesome. So, yeah, wow. Kudos for Miami. And my brother lives right there now, Fort Lauderdale, 20 minutes from the stadium. It's been it's been awesome. So congrats to Miami and Inter-Miami and everybody um, that's enjoying this. Okay, in other news, Jim Harbaugh has been suspended four games. I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh fan, so I'm not going to scoff at this. Uh, you know, I'm not going to... Um, feel too bad for him, but it's kind of ridiculous. So here's here's uh, here's how this happened. So Harbaugh allegedly lied to NCAA investigators, so now he's got to pay the price. And it's like, whoa, okay, he lied to investigators. Okay, so what, what did he lie about? Were you ready for this? He lied about buying recruits hamburgers with his own money. That's right, hamburgers. Tell me how, in the age of NIL, we are talking about suspending one of the most well-known coaches in college football for buying burgers? Are you kidding me? This is what's wrong with NCAA, and this is why everybody hates the NCAA, and this is why NIL is come along and is now ruining sports, the college landscape, but more on that in a second as well. But listen, it's ridiculous. I don't know if it was a witch hunt because they don't like Harbaugh, whatever. They couldn't get him on something else, so they they got him on this. That's kind of what it sounds like. But, man, four games. So you're figuring who they play in the first four games of the season. It's going to be daunting without Harbaugh for those first four games, man. Brutal stretch to start the season. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and the toughest of them all, my Rutgers Scarlet Knights, baby. Oh, maybe we have a chance now. Week four of the college football season. No Jim Harbaugh. We got a chance. Come on, Greg Schiano. Come on, Scarlet Knights. Let's try to just cover the spread, please. I'm, I mean, I mean, seriously. So yeah, Michigan. They will be fine. They will be competing once again. I think they're projected favorites to win to win the Big Ten anyway again this year. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But what a joke. Okay, here we go. The Braves on Monday, I think this was, Monday night, they turned an 8-3-5 triple play against the Red Sox. So if you don't know, 8-3-5. 8 is the center fielder. He caught a ball, came in, running catch, 
catches the ball. Um, Red Sox player uh, Duval, I believe it was, was caught in between first and second. He went way too far to second. That is one of those plays, though, like where you got to go at least halfway or a little more because if that ball does drop in front of him, you're in no man's land. You got to make it to second, or if it's caught, you got to get back to first. So he just decided, I'm going to go further towards second. Well, it's caught. Michael Harris then easily flips back to first for the out. Matt Olson throws back to third because this kid Yoshida, I don't know how they do it in Japan, but for some reason, he tried to run to third base and was thrown out by about 10 feet. So listen to this whole thing play out. Just wild. And this all while the Red Sox are in some lemonade, Savannah banana type, ugly ass uniforms. Shallow right center, long run, but Michael gets there. Throwing back to first, may have a play. Double the off, it may be a triple play. It is unbelievable. Just how they drew it up. Well, if it wasn't cloudy, I would now be checking for a full moon. No question about it. <laughs> we have seen it all tonight. Michael started it. It's an 8-3-5 triple play. That's right. You heard that correctly. 8-3-5. And Adam Duvall, he was not balanced. He was totally running it to second base. And it's not like Harris had to dive for it or even made a shoestring catch. So the base running as a whole was just horrible. And it gets worse every year in, in Major League Baseball. You see stuff that you just can't believe now. They have... Every time now, in almost every game with the infield in and guys on third base, or even just with the corners in, they teach these runners to just go on contact, and they get thrown out at home plate almost every time. It's just it's quite shocking. So, yeah, this was an incredible triple play for a couple of reasons. So, first of all, it's the first triple play in the major leagues this year, which is a little shocking for all the reasons I just I just laid out. It's also the first Braves triple play since May 6th of 2004. The last time we saw an 8-3-5 triple play, are you guys ready for this? The last time we saw an 8-3-5 triple play. 1885 when the Boston Bean Eaters turned one. That's how rare it is. Unbelievable. The Red Sox did go on to win that game 7-1, by the way. Next up, all right, PSA. Warning to all, do not try and trash talk Ellie De La Cruz, please. So let me give you the backstory here. On Monday night against the Brewers, he was robbed of a home run in his first at-bat. Okay, that happens. No big deal. Well, when he came up to bat for the second time in the third inning, the scoreboard operator or whoever puts the graphics and stuff up there, next to his picture, they put up like a little trivia thing. And they thought they'd get cute and talk a little trash, and they said, almost hit a home run in the first inning, but didn't. Ooh, that's the last thing De La Cruz wanted to see. That's the last thing you want to do to De La Cruz to piss him off. Because in that very at-bat, Ellie De La Cruz did this. De La Cruz, high fly, deep right center, gone! That's out of the stadium. It went over the SUV. It cleared the stands. That ball had a family. Well, I think De La Cruz just looked into the dugout and said, let him, let him try to rob that one. Yeah, so Ellie De La Cruz hit a 456-foot bomb that went out of the stadium. He's the most fun player to watch in baseball by far this year. Then, speaking of the Brewers, we had this young 23-year-old Bostonian kid make his debut for the Brewers on Saturday and I'm there's no joke this could have been one of the greatest 
debuts in the history of Major League Baseball. Sal Freelich went three for three at the plate with an eventual, uh, with a game tying single and a sack fly in the eighth that proved to be the game winning run. And that's not all. He also made two diving catches, unbelievable defensive gems in right field in the sixth inning. What an unbelievable debut. So take a listen. Sal Freelich, these are the two catches he made um, in the sixth inning. Our assignments away. Ozuna goes the other way. Well-struck ball. Freelich back to the track at the wall. Leaps and makes the catch. What a play. Welcome to the bigs on the defensive end for Freelich. There's Arcia, former Brewer, goes to right center field. Long run for Perkins and for Freelich. Freelich does it again! A jaw-dropping debut on defense for the Freelich family. Yeah, those two catches. The second one was better than the first one for sure. And then that was in the sixth inning. And then in a 3-3 game with one out, first and third, Freelich comes up in the eighth and delivers a, a – he went down and and got a, a pitch and uh, hits a line drive to right field, which was just enough for the Brewers to tag up and win this game 4-3. One oh, In the right field. It is caught by Acuna. Off from third Adamas. Here comes the play at the plate. Brewers take the lead. Freelich delivers. It's 4-3 Yeah, so unbelievable debut uh, by this kid, Sal Freelich. He also hit his first home run um, this week as well, and he was batting fourth in just his second game. Just unbelievable. Uh, so cool stuff there. Okay, so I just talked about the college football landscape a, a little bit. Um, now, what I want to talk about is there's been a new NIL bill introduced. So Democrat Joe Manchin, along with Republican and former college football coach Tommy Tuberville, uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville, introduced a bipartisan bill Tuesday that would create a number of changes to NIL rights in college sports. And I'm all for this. Why? Because, well, I'll get to that in a second. But here we go. The It's called the Protecting Athletes, Schools, and Sports Act would create a registry that would uh, serve as a publicly accessible internet website on which the Federal Trade Commission shall publish and frequently update anonymized and aggregated name, image, or likeness data. That's a mouthful, but it would also ban any state laws regarding revenue sharing, ostensibly a response to a proposed California state bill that called for for schools to pay salaries to college athletes that could reach as much as $25,000 per year. Insane. This would also grant the NCAA the discretion to ban certain NIL deals such as gambling or alcohol sponsorships. I don't know if I'm a fan of that one, but um, that's fine. And then the NCAA would be the enforcing body for such rules, though the Federal Trade Commission would assist in that regard and handle the registry and the registration of agents. This is the key. The transfer portal would be greatly altered with players only able to switch schools without losing a year of eligibility if they had already been at their current school for three academic years. And then they will be making exceptions for coaches leaving the school or a death in the family. Those would be granted. And I know this is going to get pushback, but I am for it because players are leaving every year now. Players are leaving one school just to go to another school because they're getting a better a better NIL offer, and it's swallowing up the little guys. 
the smaller uh, SEC schools, the smaller Big Ten schools cannot compete with the Michigans, the Ohio States, the UCLA's, the USC's because they're getting more money at these schools. They have better donors. They have better sponsorship deals, better everything. They live in better cities with better access to media. You know, I mean, it's just crazy. So this would kind of put the kibosh on that and give greater parity to everyone, in my opinion. Um, we have more Northwestern news, and it's not great, but uh, mon- on Monday, a former volleyball player announced through her lawyers a forthcoming lawsuit against the school over hazing allegations. So, hey, while the goings hot, come get it. Um, athletes from every sport seemingly are just going to come out now and, and, and try to sue the school and, and get and get theirs. Um, so, yeah, this is just brutal for Northwestern. Um and I mean, like, what's been going on in, in in that athletic department? I mean, have they the, the athletic director's got to go at this point? I, I, I like, hello, every sport is having hazing and all sorts of issues. Then you're doing something wrong, buddy. You're doing something wrong. And meanwhile, former football player Lloyd Yates he publicly identified himself as a plaintiff in a lawsuit over football hazing allegations. So yeah, this is just a whole mess. I I said last time I don't think that the hazing stuff was cr- was crazy to the point that um I think Fitzgerald really should have been fired especially since he's their most successful coach ever and he's a legend there. Um but I do get it. This is the world we live in. You have to take this stuff seriously and ever since, you know, the whole Jerry Sandusky stuff, this is just a no-no and and especially the Larry Nasser stuff. This just cannot go on and it can't happen. So yikes. And then finally or last but not least, Brian Harmon won the British Open. He dominated on the greens, needed just 106 putts to finish the tournament, the fewest ever in Open history. Todd Hamilton, who I never even heard of, to be perfectly honest, held the previous record of 109 at the 2004 tournament. And get this, Harmon didn't miss a putt within five feet the entire weekend, which if you play golf, you know it's very easy to miss five-foot putts, and multiple pros did it in the open themselves. So um, Harmon is just the fifth lefty to win a major, joining Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, Bob Charles, and Mike Weir. Crazy stuff there. Um, Also, congrats to Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, who are officially Hall of Famers. So that's really cool. All right, what's on TV this weekend? Well, this isn't on this weekend, but of course the World Cup is on all weekend. The U.S. women's national team, however, though, they will be playing their next matchup against Portugal on Tuesday after tying with the Netherlands. And God, I was so close. So I'm watching that game with my sister on our big 75-inch TV in our TV room. Came on at 9 o'clock, of course. And I know U.S. beat the Netherlands in, uh, in what, 2 nothing I think, in the finals in 2019. I know the Netherlands is a good group. But we're the USA, all right? We got off to a slow start against Vietnam, only winning 3 nothing. so I expected big things. And 17 minutes in, we were down one nothing. And when it went to halftime down one nothing, I said, I'm betting USA. They are plus 300 on the money line. So I threw th- uh, 50 on it to win a good chunk of money. And second half starts, and we look a little sluggish. We made one sub. Rose Lavelle came in. I know she was dealing with, I think, a knee injury. Wasn't sure if she was going to start or not coming into this tournament. So she's the sub, comes in. She's making a big impact early on, and the U.S. is able to tie the game. There's a scuffle between one of our players, one of their players, um, Lindsey Horan, and actually one of her teammates from her club team. They got into a bit of a scuffle. And then we get a penalty kick, uh, excuse me, a... um, a corner kick, and I was saying all game, I was saying, because I was a lefty, I said, we need a lefty to do these corners, at least on the one side, because they can bend it towards the goal, and it's just so much easier to get it into the goal or to get a header and and score. And finally, um, Lavelle was that lefty, and she kicks the corner, and Horan comes right in, and boom, head heads it right in, boom, USA ties the game, 1-1, let's go, new life, I just need to win this game, just get out of here, no ties, no losses, and we win. And a few minutes later, boom, Alex Morgan scores, great through ball, and she gets the goal, and immediately I knew it. My sister was all excited, but I never cheer in soccer on the goals because there's always freaking offsides, and she was offsides by a hair, one of the worst rules in sports. Get rid of offsides. We want more goals. We want to see scoring. 
just missed. And we had we dominated the second half, dominated. And there was a scary situation late in stoppage time, I think it was, right at like the 92nd or 93rd minute where we almost gave up a, a goal and lost the game. But otherwise, we dominated that whole second half, ended in a tie. We're most likely going to win the group after we beat Portugal on Tuesday. So, uh, you know, the three-peat is still intact, but I lost some money and I'm not too happy about it. And in speaking of the World Cup, real quick, there's this Korean-American teenager, Casey Fair. She made history on Monday night. In uh, She's playing for South Korea. In their match against Colombia, which they lost 2-0, surprisingly, she became the youngest player, age 16, to debut in a World Cup. That is just unbelievable. And who knows why, you know, maybe she'll play for U.S. Um, as she gets older. I'm not too sure. But I know one of her parents is from Korea. Um, we've also got two pretty damn good fights taking place on Saturday, both UFC and boxing. First in UFC, we've got UFC 291. The card isn't great, but it's good, and it culminates in the main card between Justin Poirier and Justin Gagey, so that should be fun. And then, But it's conflicting. It's going right up against boxing, and boxing's been dying of late, but this, honest to goodness, I'm not a big, you know, UFC or really boxing guy at all, but this box, I'm going to watch the boxing over the UFC. I I, I really am. Um, we've got Errol Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford. This is the biggest, this is no cap, this is the biggest boxing match since Pacquiao Mayweather, but this is going to be more of a heavy hitter, more fun because, you know, Mayweather was the greatest really defender of all time. He would he just sits back and he didn't really do much in that fight. And we, we all know that Pacquiao was hurt during that. But both Spence and Crawford are a combined 66 and 0. Spence is 27 and 0. Crawford 39 and 0. And Errol Spence, if you recognize that name, that's because he's the guy that was involved. I think it was in Vegas a few years back. He was involved in a crazy car crash. He might have been drinking or something. And he was lucky to be alive. And the fact that he was didn't sustain injuries to the point where he couldn't box again was really, um, really lucky on his part. So he's still going strong. Uh, 27-0, Crawford 39-0. I can't wait for this. Uh, of course, because he hasn't fought as much as Crawford, Spence is the slight underdog. And, man, it's going to be a tough one to predict, but I've seen people um, leaning towards Spence on this one. So we shall see exactly what happens. Um, I'm excited for this weekend in sports, though. I want to see if Judge comes back. Um, and um, this weekend, and I want to watch, you know, get some updates on the World Cup and the trade deadline and all that good stuff. So it should be a fun weekend. I'm also uh, set to play golf on Sunday with my brother and his wife. That was an adventure last Sunday. Me and my brother got into a big argument over golf etiquette and all sorts of stuff because I didn't like the pace of play that he was playing at. He was trying to rush everything, and he was hitting out of turn, and it just kept pissing me off. Um, so I, I was not happy about that and and whatnot. And then on um Saturday, did I play? No, I didn't play Saturday and Sunday. Did I? No, I, I played on Saturday for sure um, with my dad. That was kind of a last-minute thing, and I had one of my best rounds ever. I shot an 85. Me and my dad actually tied, and I'm pissed because on 18th hole, I hit my best drive of the day, about 250. I wasn't hitting my driver too long uh, that day, but hit my drive straight 250 or so, and then I had about 100 in, took my approach wedge, hit it nice and high, flopped it on like eight between six and eight feet to the cup, and I missed the birdie putt by just a hair, and I tapped in for par. I would have beaten him, um, so that's why I was not too happy with tying my dad because I knew I had it. Um, just incredible. So I'm playing Sunday with just my brother and his wife, and my sister-in-law, because my dad uh, decided to drive down to Myrtle Beach for a week or so, check up on the house and, and whatnot. Okay. Last but not least, well, it is last. We're at the end. On this date in sports, July 28th, 1994, Kenny Rogers would become the first Texas Ranger to throw a perfect game. Take a listen. DeSarcina has never had a hit off Rodgers. Hitless in 16 at-bats. 
Tonight he is grounded out twice. The crowd on its feet here in Arlington. Two outs in the ninth. A fly to center field. Greer there. He's got it. A perfect game. Oh, baby. Kenny Rogers pitches the 11th perfect game in Major League history, and he is mobbed by his teammates here at the ballpark in Arlington. History made July 28, 1994. Kenny Rogers, a true gem, a perfecto. He throws 98 pitches, strikes out eight, retires all 27 California Angels that he faces. A perfect game for the Rangers left-hander Kenny Rogers as he wins for the 11th time in 1994. Oh, what a sight. What a thrill here in Texas tonight. Okay, so there you have it. That just about wraps up this show. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. This has been episode 214 of This Week in Sports. Have a nice weekend, everybody. We're almost in August, so the summer is quickly um, coming to a close. It always goes by so fast, but I will hopefully see you guys next week for another episode on Friday. This has been the Pody signing out.